Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us. Um, as, be with me as I preach uh, the word, as I share the, the the gospel today. Help me to be faithful to the text. Help me to be faithful to um, to the truth that's found in scriptures, Lord. I pray that um, if I uh, if I make mistakes or if I'm if I'm off off center, Lord, that you would um, that you would uh, just make it clear to me and, and to everyone else, Lord. And I, I pray that folks would hear from you today, that they would know you better, that they would know the word better, um, that they would walk closer to you as a result of hearing your word. I pray that um, be like seeds planted in their hearts, Lord, that they would uh, they would be uh, uh, just a great harvest that comes off the other end of it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, I. We're going to be working on John again. This should be First John. It's my error. Um, the uh, we're going to be working on First John again. We're going to work our way through this book in bits by bits, um, and I'll I'll kind of get to the background here in a second. Um, I Jess, can you bump my slide forward? Since I am here. Oh, my bad. All right. Yesterday, my children um, were in the kitchen playing because I can't get them to play in the rooms. And, and they, they decided they were going to do a puzzle. So they brought out this puzzle in the most beat-up box I think any puzzle has ever been in. It was actually only half a box. And, and they were excited about doing this puzzle at their little table in the kitchen. And, and I looked at it, and the first thing I thought looking at this puzzle with half a box was, there's probably about half the pieces in there, right? Has anybody ever done, a, done this where you did a puzzle and it was missing enough pieces that it... It felt like nothing was going to quite fit together right, and it drove you nuts. And actually, about five minutes in, my daughter decided that she was done. She said, well, no, I quit. I'm not doing this. It's too hard. And so I did about half the puzzle. So, you know, (laughs) but then they kind of caught up on their own, and they they did very well. And actually did even better when I pointed out that if you flip the box top over, the only part of the box you have, the picture is there. And so you can actually follow the picture, and then they got even better. And when they got done, see, they're very proud here, but, but if you can look carefully, there are, oops, going to trip over the guitar stand, there are quite a few pieces missing. And so it's a partial picture. Um, they, they've got it almost all together, right? But there are chunks not there. And, and I'm sure, actually, I was pretty sure when they were done, my daughter charged off. I said, well, your, your missing pieces are probably in your toys or in your room somewhere. So if you clean your rooms, <laughs> you, will, you will find the missing puzzle pieces. And she charged off like she was going like to actually clean. And I think what she did was she dumped out the rest of the toys to see if she could find it. Um, I, there's only one direction that that goes in in our world. Um, as, as we kind of dive into this, this John passage, okay, um, we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of missing pieces and, and um, the frustration that comes with it, but also how it kind of gives you this distorted picture, right? Um, and, and so this is going to be a big central idea of what we're looking at today. Um, I'm going to bump forward here the, the, a little background. John, first John here, was written by John. Got it? John was uh, one of Jesus' apostles. He was actually the only one who died of natural causes, um, and he died at a very old age. He um, is writing to probably a group of churches. It's not entirely clear. But um, in the book so far, what we've learned is that there is a group of false teachers in this church that John is, like, like addressing the problems they've created. And the, 
there are a number of things that we know, just based on the little, like, hints that he's built into his letter, um, that we know is, like, wrong with what they're teaching and what they're doing. Um, they are teaching, like, first off, this, this sort of perfectionism, um, which is this argument that, um, that, and these guys were claiming this, that they no longer sinned. Like, we never, ever, ever sin anymore. Like, they, they had reached this point where they were perfect. Um, and, like, despite the fact that they claimed that, there was an awful lot of hypocrisy in the way they were living. Got it? So they're saying we're perfect, but in reality they weren't. And this isn't an uncommon teaching. I mean, it's been throughout the ages that this, is, this has been taught. But this is one of the problems John is addressing, and it's going to come right to the forefront in this text, okay? Um, the other thing that they were doing was they were denying certain aspects of who Jesus was. So these were folks who were in the church, but then, like, had kind of fallen out and taught these different things. And one of the things they taught was that Jesus was not really all that divine, like, like that Jesus wasn't the Son of God, that he wasn't eternal, that he wasn't a divine being. Um, and so they would claim that they were in harmony with the Father, but they would deny that the Son was anything at all. Everybody with me? It's important. Um, so all of that in mind, John starts this new section of the letter. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is righteous is born of him. Um, This is 28 and 29. What happens is John starts off, he's got this little introduction to the section, and then he's going to actually do an aside, which we'll get to in a second, like this parenthetical sort of bit. And then he's going to come back around and make the larger point, which he started here. Now watch this. Um, And now, dear children, continue in him. A lot of times this is translated, abide in him. Um, this is actually used in the previous verse. And so John is sort of continuing this idea of abiding in Christ and like abiding in Christ. What this is, is it's, it it refers to walking with him. It refers to living your life in harmony with the gospel. It refers to being in a relationship with him. Um, it's, it's a very, I don't know. It's a difficult phrase. It's something that volumes have been written on, but just the short version is like he's saying, dear children, um, just keep walking with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Do not wander off from Jesus. Um, and he gives a reason. So that when Jesus comes back, you'll be confident, right? So, like, you'll know that you are in the right spot. And this is um, a reference to the parousia as, like, the Greek word. It means Jesus showing up again, like the second coming. And he's saying, listen, live right, be in Christ, do what's, you know, like, live this life so that when Christ comes again and you're standing before him at judgment, you'll be confident. Um, I have a lot of trouble imagining anyone being confident standing before, you know, God and the assembled angels. But like, like he's saying, in Christ you will be confident, right? And you need to do this so that you are confident. Um, know that you are doing this the right way. And, you know, Jesus touches on this idea a couple times. And he says things like... Um, you know, anybody who tries to pursue the kingdom of God but then gives up is like a is like a man who starts building a you know building a castle and then gives up halfway through because it costs too much and he sort of you know like like there's this failure or a man who like a king who goes to fight a neighboring nation and then realizes when they've taken the field that his army's too small to win so he has to like make peace right away because he's in trouble. This is the idea here. Like like don't do it half-hearted. Do this right. Right? If you're going to be in Christ, be in Christ. 
Like, if you're going to be in a relationship with him, be in a relationship with him. Um, I've known folks over the years, there are examples of this all around us, right? I know, I've known folks over the years who are, um, who are married, but they're not actually that committed to being married. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, I'm married, but, uh, you know, I, I'm in it basically for, you know, because it's now going to be expensive to not be in it, you know, so I'm going to do my own thing. Or, yeah, my wife lives in the same house and we sort of get along, but she doesn't bother me, I don't bother her. Um, this, this is sort of the idea. If you're going to be in Christ, if you're going to walk with Jesus, if you're going to be in a relationship with him, do it right. Um, in fact, actually, like the, to, to apply my analogy, this would be Abby actually looking for the missing puzzle pieces, right? <laughs> like if you're going to do the puzzle, finish it. Which is funny because my son wanted to finish it, you know, and, and he's got the attention span of a goldfish. And so, like, he was not going to get this thing done, but he managed to put several pieces together because he, he was trying. Like, and it's funny, you'll take a piece and look at everything in the box, sometimes two or three times each, until he finds it because he wanted to get it done. My daughter, and I love her, my daughter is a lot more like me. She looked at it and said, this is hard, let's do something else, right? And that's, that's, you know, as we approach Christ, it's take it seriously, do it right, follow through to the end. Um, if you're missing something, figure it out and get it nailed down. Um, work at it, work at it, work at it. Don't quit. Um, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Now, this is the sentence that sort of drives out the rest of the text. Um, the idea here is, Jesus is righteous, meaning he's in right relationship with God, right? He is in proper relationship, like he is, is um, behaving according to the expectations of this relationship. He is, like, ideal in God's eyes. Um, and you know that everyone who does what is right is born of him. Born of him is used ten times in this book. And it's hardly used anywhere else in the Bible. Okay, so it's kind of an important phrase. The reason it's important and the reason John is drawing it out is he is going to make a point about like being what you are, like that determining how you live. Right? Like I have a, I don't know, have you all ever heard the story of the, the turtle and the scorpion? Where uh, they're both sitting on the edge of a river and the scorpion asked the turtle, hey, can you give me a ride to the other side? And the, the turtle said, well, no. You're a scorpion. If you, if you get on my back and ride to the other side, you're going to sting me. I'm not going to do that. And the, the scorpion says, well, that would be dumb. Like, I, you know, why would I do that? We would both die. So just give me the ride, and we'll both be in the turtle thought about it. He said, well, that's pretty good reasoning. So he lets the scorpion get up on his back. And about halfway across, the scorpion's looking at the back of the turtle's head, and he's getting more and more tempted, and finally he stings him. And the turtle starts to falter. He says, why'd you do that? Now we're both going to die. And the scorpion said, you knew what I was when you picked me up. Right? We are what we are, and we act according to our nature. And this is what John is driving at in this. He says, listen, if you do what's right, it's a sign, it's an indication that you are what you are. Right? Um, we have dogs. My kids leave their sandwiches out. What happens when you leave a sandwich out? The dogs eat it, and the kids get mad at the dogs. Is it the dog's fault? No, the dog's going to do it every time. In fact, the dogs watch the children so they can take their sandwiches. 
And, and in the end, like, they do it because they're dogs, because they have to. Um, if we are born of him, like, if we are made new, by the way, this phrase, born of him, every time it's used in the scripture, it's implied that God has done a work in someone else and brought them to a new state of life, right? Um, actually, John, significantly, uh, John 3.16, you know, and, and, and the following verses, he talks about being born again of water and the spirit. Um, John, like, is all about this born of, but it is always God that does it. Like, I've not had a baby. I hope to never have a baby. But the baby does not, like, initiate the birth, does it? I mean, they, they don't. Like, it is, it is you know, your, your biology that does that. You know, that, that, that starts this whole being born process. The baby doesn't make decisions. The baby's just along for the ride. It is the case with us being made new. Like, what is it? Um, I read a little while ago, the only thing you contribute to your salvation is the need to be saved. Um, the only thing we contribute to our being born again, to being made new, is like the fact that we were awful and needed to be made new. But God does this in us. He creates us anew. He redeems us by his son. And when that is the case, we take on this new nature. And suddenly we're like, um, we're like the dog, right? We're going to do the same thing every time. Every time. Because um, it's just how we are. Going on. So now John jumps into this aside. Um, because, hey, you're born, you're made new by the power of Christ, like you're given a new nature. So see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that we, and that we are, excuse me, all right, let me see if I can get myself together. Uh, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So John's aside. He says, listen, you are made new. You're given this brand new nature, and that is fantastic. And he says, you know what? God is awesome. And every time we reach that point where we realize that we are given a new nature, we should stop and say, God is awesome. Right? I, I mean, I don't know about y'all. I... I have this part of me that always wants to do things my way. And always wants to do my thing. One of my goals for the year is, is to be a better husband. It's a very general goal at this point. Um, and, and there are a number of things that I know I do. One of the things I know I do is I do things my way, whether my wife likes it or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, surely I'm not the only husband in the room that does this. <laughs> All right, wives, how many of your husbands do this? <laughs> uh, thank you, Charlene. I, <laughs> I'm in good company with Frank. Um, but watch this. He, I, I, I believe it. Frank's a good guy. I, watch this. Um, my wife asked me to do something this morning, and my first response was to argue. My second response was, well, I will only abide by what you're saying if I can do things my way and keep doing what I want. And, and in reality, like, there's this part of me that jumps out and says, well, this is what I want. I don't care. And, like, I'm not even, what is it? I don't know. Is it, like, the eighth? Yeah, it is the eighth. Good guess. Um, it's the eighth. I've already blown this one, right? <laughs> but by nature, I do wrong. 
by nature. You give me a chance, I'm going to do the selfish thing. That is how I am. That's how every one of us is born. Um, but God has so much love and, and mercy and grace. He is so awesome that he picks us up from our awful, like, muddy, dirty, filthy spot, and he cleans us up over and over again and makes us new and gives us this new nature. Um, and he calls us his children. Um, that's astounding. God, God's love is like, it's unfathomable. It, is, it, it defies reason, the degree to which God like, loves us and is willing to save us. Um, and, that is, and that is what we are. John emphasizes it. Listen, we are God's children, and that is what we are. By nature, we're something different. The reason the world does not know us is that it does, did not know him. This is also, by the way, something that Jesus said. He says, listen, folks, talking to his disciples, the world will not know you because it doesn't know me. So don't expect them to treat you right. And like sort of this, this idea here, right? Like if we're like Christ, the world is going to look at us and they're not going to understand. They're not going to do anything but look down. Um, and, and, you know, this is actually, watch the culture. This is where we're at, right? You know, we don't hear happy things about Christians nowadays. And sometimes we bring that on ourselves. There's no doubt about it. Um, but sometimes it's it's not so much about that. It's just that that we're not of this world uh, when we're acting in harmony with Christ. When we're not, we're definitely of this world. Um, verse two in this aside, dear friends, now that we are cho- now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see him as he is. Now, this is sort of an extension of this. We are children of God now, but we ain't perfect, right? Anybody here not perfect? Anybody here sitting next to someone who isn't perfect? Let's do it that way. It's much easier, isn't it? (laughs) Um, We aren't, you know, we are children of God, but we're not quite there yet. Um, This is a tension that's brought up over and over again in Paul, and John does the same thing. Already, but not yet, right? I'm already a child of God, but I'm not quite the way I'm supposed to be. I am already holy and made perfect in Christ, but I'm not quite there yet. It is this weird tension that exists because, well, because we're limited. And what John says is, we don't understand it quite right yet, but there's going to be a time when Christ appears, and then we'll be like him, and then we'll see him as he is, and we'll understand. By the way, see him as he is, the Greek word there is, like, basically, we will be eyewitnesses. We will see him with our own eyes, face to face. We will know him, and we will be like him. Um, what's very funny, and I laughed about this repeatedly as I was reading commentaries on this text, um, how many scholars suggested what John meant by this. Oh, when he's talking about we don't know what we'll be like, but we'll be like, you know, when Jesus shows up, this is what he means. He's like, well, if John didn't know exactly what he meant, how are we going to guess at it, Right? We're going to run ahead of John. Um, so John says, listen, we're not perfect, but we're getting there. We're not perfect, but we're getting there. And we will be there when Christ comes back. Be assured, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So watch this. By our nature, we become like Christ. And because we have this hope that we'll be right before Jesus in the after, right? Like in the judgment day, we'll be right, we'll be like him. And because of that, we purify ourselves. Because it becomes our nature to purify ourselves, right? 
there are all sorts of things I have started doing in the last few years that are not in my nature. I, I change toilet paper rolls. You have no idea the degree to which this is not in my nature, right? I, I, I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, like, and the reason that that is the case is um, because I love my wife. And because there is a new version of me that is created by loving my wife. Um, this is kind of what John is talking about. I'm trying to put this in everyday terms, right? Um, we, pure, we purify ourselves because we're made new by God, like by this, this new birth that we have. Um, and so we see God and we say, I want to be like him. I want to be closer to God. This is my primary relationship, and so I will pursue that. And so what am I going to do? Well, I, I have these areas that I struggle with. I, um, I covet, right? I want things that don't belong to me. Anybody else? Um, uh, <laughs> we take things that don't belong to us. We say nasty things about our neighbors. We gossip. Nobody in small towns ever gossips. Um, we lust. We commit sexual sin. We, um, we worship things that aren't God. We, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You, you know, I mean, it is the case, right? But as a part of being made new, it's okay, Irving. I'm not talking about you. Um, it's okay as a part of as a part of being made new. We pursue that. We take on a new nature, and we see the sandwich. What do we do? We eat it. It doesn't matter that it's Abby's sandwich. You left it here. This is my nature. This is what I do. Right? This is just how I am. Um, there are folks you will meet who are like this. They effortlessly give. They effortlessly serve. They effortlessly praise God. They effortlessly. Um, act in certain ways. Like, this is because it is a nature that they've taken on. Unfortunately, there's a birthing process, right? A birthing process where you spend a lot of time sitting down with that dumb box of puzzle pieces, sticking them together, right? Now, you'll discover, and watch this, this is important, you'll discover that the pieces don't fit together right if it's all your effort. If you are earning your way to God, they will not work. If you're putting your puzzle pieces together and it's not about Jesus, guess what? You're actually working off the wrong box and you got like 12 different puzzles mixed together and you're blindfolded. Like it's not possible to do. We can only accomplish these things as a result of being made new in Christ and walking with Christ. This is the core of it all. We purify ourselves by nature because of Christ. Now, we're going to hit the hard part. Everyone who sins, so John's aside is over, and he dives into his attack on these false teachers, right? It says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Um, what John is talking about here, because um, this gets a little stickier and it gets a lot more confusing if you don't hold it in the proper context, because John is addressing a problem. This lawlessness he's talking about, first off, is living the way you want, right? It's opposition to the law. But it's also, if you follow John's gospel, like John's gospel spells straight out, like over and over again, denying Christ as the Son of God, as, as our Savior, as all of these things, denying Christ is a sin. Like denying Christ is a rebellion against him. It is a rejection of him. It is the ultimate act of defiance against God. He sends the greatest gift he can for us, and we reject him. That is a... And that's a big one, right? Um, and so, like, at the center of this is behavioral, but also a denial of Christ, a disobedience and a disassociation from Jesus, which is what these false teachers were doing. They were saying, 
well, Jesus isn't really God, right? So we don't actually need him. He provides an example or something like that. I mean, it, it's a good thing, but we don't need him. We're right before God because of other reasons. And look, we're sinless. You know, we don't sin anymore. In reality, they continue to do so, especially since they denied Christ, because denying Christ is, that's a rebellion, um, and so these guys, what they're doing, John is starting to put them out there, right? He's saying, hey, everyone who sins, these guys who are continuing to sin, like not living the life they're supposed to live, but also denying Christ, they're lawless. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Now watch this. You could read this, and this has been used in this capacity before, where people read it and say, if you sin at all, you don't know Jesus, right? So I'm praying, and I think about how much I would really love to get a new car, and I want something that doesn't belong to me, and suddenly I don't know Jesus anymore. I mean, like the standard for sinlessness it's a little like, you know, playing a perfect golf game in a hurricane. You know, it's just not possible. It's not doable. Like, our sinful nature prevents us. Um, so he's saying, listen, Jesus came to take away our sins. Jesus was born. He lived his life perfect, right? He was sinless. If he wasn't sinless, he wouldn't have been able to offer himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. He was crucified like beaten, tortured, took all of the punishment for our wrongdoing on himself, just God heaped it, just poured his wrath out on Christ so that he could take away our sins. So anyone who's in Christ is forgiven because he's been punished and we're actually made new. But that making new isn't already, but not yet. We've got to work in that direction. And in him, there's no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Now, what John is starting to talk about here is he's talking about relationship with God, Right? He's talking about this intimacy that we have with God. We don't continue to deny him. We don't continue to pursue things that aren't him. Our relationship with Christ becomes the primary objective. It becomes the thing we pursue, and everything else is subservient. I love my wife. I talk about her all the time. I think people get annoyed that I talk about her so much, but I can't help it. Um, But I love my wife in light of my love for Jesus, right? Because I recognize that my wife is somebody that God has used to make me more like Christ. And I'm thankful for that. But ultimately, that's all about Jesus, right? I love my kids, but I love my kids because I love Jesus. I, everything comes down to this subservient role um, that everything plays in relation to Christ. We cannot, you know, like we cannot think that not pursuing Christ first will work. Um, it's always going to be a failure. Uh, no one who continues to sin has either seen him or knows him. Meaning, like, hey, if you continue to live in rebellion, in the case of these false teachers, right, they're claiming to be sinless, but they're also denying Christ. They're denying Christ. They're not in relationship with him, and this is a rebellion. Um, so they continue to be in sin, so they don't know him. John is sort of hitting them at the knees. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Um, He's saying, hey, don't listen to these guys. Anybody who comes along and teaches you something that isn't about Christ dying for our sins and us like being saved through him is misleading. Um, by the way, this, this, and listen, I'm going to be kind of nasty right now. Um, this is a thing that happens in, our, in like the church like to no end right now, right? Um, there are 
preachers who stand up and will tell you how to make your life better without Jesus are a dime a dozen, right? People who don't point to Christ as this is how we're saved, they're all over. People will tell you this is how you have a better marriage, get along with your kids better, have a better relationship with your neighbor, and get your finances under order. And it has nothing to do with Jesus dying for your sins and them saying these things will make you right before God. That's what John is talking about. You understand? Like anybody who stands up and preaches the gospel or preaches the scriptures but doesn't emphasize Christ is doing this. It is claiming to be right with God by our own actions or by our own, you know, well, I love people, so I'm right with God. No, we're right with God because of Christ, and we love people because we're in Christ. We become something of a new nature. Is it instant? No, um, not at all. I, well, I'll come back to that. Uh, verse 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Now he's saying the opposite. He's saying, listen, these guys who are out there and they're denying Christ and they're saying, I'm sinless without Christ and all of these other stuff. Like, they are, whereas one group of guys is born of, born of Christ, made new of Christ, these other guys are born of Satan. Like, they're of a different ilk. They're the scorpion on the turtle's back. Got it? You know, you carry them around, they're going to sting you. And that's all there is to it. Because what they're teaching is not, is not the gospel. If they deny Christ, it is the opposite of the gospel. We cannot believe that somebody who would deny Christ is also standing in harmony with God. Because it is all about Jesus at the end of the day. It is all about Jesus. Why is it all about Jesus? Because God is so gracious and loving, verses 1 to 3, right? That he offers us this... this chance to be his children um, through his son, like, like this huge, awesome gift. Um, and so if we stand in, the, in this spot where, like we say, well, Jesus isn't really God, I'm not really right through Christ, I'm right because of these things and because God is pretty lenient and all this other stuff, we're, we're lost and we're not the son of God, like we're not of God's son. If we say, well, God's okay with me, I can continue to steal from work. Well, of course you can't, right? But I've met people who will say that. Well, God is okay with this. I can keep committing this sin because he doesn't mind. Or surely God wants me to be happy. Well, this makes me happy. No, that's not how it works. Like you're, you're the scorpion then. Like your, your nature is not like, like – because the nature of somebody who is pursuing Christ – is, is different. We become these new people who desire. Does that mean we don't fall into sin? No. Does that mean we have to be perfect tomorrow? No. In reality, knowing Jesus is a little like, like one piece at a time. Right? Everybody know that song? Johnny Cash? Johnny Cash wanted a Cadillac, right? And he couldn't afford one, so he got a job in a Cadillac factory. And every day he would steal a piece. He got it one piece at a time, and it didn't cost him a dime. And when he finally put it together, it was a big, ugly mess. <laughs> and the, the title weighed 60 pounds or something. But he, you know, like two headlights on one side, one headlight on the other, and all this other stuff. But honestly, we're not perfect because we know Christ, right? Instead, we collect bits and pieces of our perfection as we go but it becomes a single-minded mission that we live to become this kind of perfection, to put the pieces together because we are going to be like Jesus. We're not going to own a Cadillac. We're going to get something better. We're going to be like Christ. 
Christ doesn't break down all the time. <laughs> um, however, if we get sidetracked, we end up putting puzzle pieces together that never fit and never work right, that never become what they're meant to be, and it's all a weird illusion. Um, the Son came to destroy that, to wipe it out, to make us like him, um, to help us escape from this idea that we can just ignore God or that we can pursue our own path to be right to him. Um, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, but they have been born of God, meaning like we take on a new nature, right? You leave a sandwich in front of my dog, it's gone. It's going to take it every time, every time. My kids don't understand that. You put a child of God in a spot where they look at the scriptures, they recognize that they've got an area where they're out of harmony, what are they going to do? They're going to fix it, right? Sometimes it's going to be painful. Sometimes it's going to take them a while to do it. Um, but they're going to pursue that effort. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Um, and they're going to point to Jesus every time they mess up and say, hey, that's how I'm okay. That's how I'm forgiven. I'm going to keep pursuing this. Um, and we've got to learn to do it, right? I was shooting with Dale and, uh, and Eccles. He's not here, Jeremy. Um, the other day we were sighting in a scope on a rifle, right? And we started at 25 yards like a month ago when it was two degrees out. And, and it took like 25 different little shots with little twists and turns and fines. And then we moved farther out and we had to adjust it again. And then we moved farther out and you fine tune it, fine tune it, fine tune it. So it is with pursuing Christ. It is all an act of fine tuning and work and effort and growth and correcting and becoming new. Um, in the end, what you'll have is something that's amazing and worth having. You, the fact that you are born of God will become evident in your lifestyle. It will not be just, just something you say. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and their sister. John actually gives us a handful of things. Um, People who do right, meaning like right before God, live righteously. Um, people who avoid sin or flee from sin. People who love one another. That's actually a Jesus thing. This is how they'll know you're my disciples, because you love your brothers, right? If you've got folks around you that you've got problems with, you forgive them and love them, you know, because this is what we are. This is in our nature. You know, demonstrate you're not in his nature. Enjoy. Right? Um, and this, I say this because it's a hard one for me. I have trouble forgiving people. I have trouble letting things go. I have trouble with this. Like, this is something I struggle with. But I'm working at it because, because I'm not a scorpion anymore. I hope I'm not. Um, they believe Jesus is the Christ, which is the big failing of these other guys. And they've overcome the world. Meaning, like, we, we are given this gift of overcoming. We can continue to work we can continue to pursue. We can continue to be, be made new because of Christ. It is a new creation that we become. Um, my challenge to you this week is to look at your heart and look at your life and ask yourself, like, am I growing? Am I pursuing this? Have I given up looking for puzzle pieces because it was too hard? Um, am I trying to put together the pieces to the wrong puzzle? Like, am I thinking, oh, I just got to go to church enough and I'm okay before God. I just got to give enough. I just got to be nice enough. I got to... You know, do this, i got to do that, and I'm okay. Or God doesn't notice my sin. He'll, he'll overlook that. He'll overlook this. It's okay. I, I can keep doing what I'm doing. He won't notice. I mean, like, what are you by nature? And does it show up? 
You want to know the truth of it, ask, ask people around you. Ask your wife. Ask your husband. Ask your close friends, the ones who will tell you the truth. They'll tell you, what's my nature? What do I look like? And if you're not in the right spot, work at it. Come talk to me. I'll help you. Um, I saw a couple of people laugh at that. Um, let's close in prayer, and, and I'll, I'll let you all be for the day. Um, Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you would uh, be with us today. I pray that you would make us new. Um, I pray that you would change our nature so that we could be more like you and that we could walk in your presence and be, be your people, Lord. Give us, give us hearts that are like Jesus, the desire to be something better, um, the desire to be like you. I pray that you put away our pride and our, our weakness and the things that chase us into, into directions that aren't closer to you. Um, just help us to want you more than anything. Amen. Um, I'm going to close with a blessing. And uh, something I figured out this morning. I, I wore a suit coat today that you guys bought me, which I wanted to say thank you for. <laughs>